millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by David Priest, goalkeeper, coach and columnist, and by Seb Stafford-Bloor, editor of TIFO Football. Welcome, my friends, to the show that never ends. France won the World Cup and parted like it was 1998. England finished fourth and put the clocks back briefly to 1966. Now we look forward to the Euros in 2020 and a Winter World Cup in Qatar. So, what do England need to do to remain contenders? David? I think there's one uh, massive hole in, in the side. We, we've got our, seem to found our goalkeeper. We've got two young uh, full-backs, Maguire and Stone centre-halves. Harry Kane up front, obviously. Raheem Sterling, regardless of what everyone says, is, um, you know... Still effective in his role as uh, in what he does for England. It's that big void in the in the middle of the pitch that uh, we need looking at now. And both that's both sides defensively and in an attacking sense. Uh, but what we're crying out for is a is a Modric, a Hazard, De Bruyne, or somebody who can uh, create at will. Uh, we just don't have that at the moment. Mm. The best teams evolve. Will there be an element of revolution here, though? Because will big changes be made? Do you think? I don't think so, Mike, because I think the, the, the system from the inside has been set up to be fairly stable. I mean, one of the, the reassuring aspects of, um, of this tournament is the, the gaps, which are clearly obvious in the side, which David identified, they seem to be, you know, primed to be filled by players that are coming through right about now. Someone like a Mason Mount is a, is a fabulously gifted number 10. Ovi Jaria is a, a very capable sort of holding midfielder, but someone who can actually play a little bit. I don't think we're we're going to produce a Modric or a Rakitic. I mean, I, I don't I don't really believe in drawing those kind of comparisons. But there's certainly the kind of the depth of of, of talent to think that in four eight years time we'll be in a pretty good place. Mm. Does the system need tweaking? You know, there's been a lot of talk about should we really go sort of three four three or even four three three, or do we just basically keep with what we've got? I think that's what Gareth Southgate's been good at. He's been good at uh, looking at uh, you know what's been needed in the side, especially for the players. Now we, he's got the best out of a lot of players. Um, he, he's changed his system to suit that. But you're right. If we don't have the players to to fill that void in the in the centre, we're going to have to tweak it a little bit. And you're right. Maybe four, th uh, four uh, three, four, three. Sorry, mm. would be the the answer to that. Um, 
But again, you know, it's it's okay having that that eleven, that good solid starting eleven. Beyond that, that's what we need to build as yeah. well. The, Game the, changers. Yeah, the, the, you know the the, the Spain, Germany fans, yeah. they have a huge pool of players, and um, you know, okay, you know, I've said we, you know, we don't have a problem with up front with uh, with Harry Kane, but without Harry Kane, what do we have? Didn't really look fit in the last couple of games, uh, but he's won the Golden Boot. Great achievement. Try and put that into perspective. In perspective, in his own perspective, or the achievement as a whole, Mike? Do you mean into his own perspective? I think it's another it's another notch on his CV. I, I think um, you're quite right. The game we saw against Croatia, really also against Sweden, um, looked a a tired player, someone that's played you know a lot of football recently, and who actually people should remember wasn't really fit towards the end of the domestic season either. But then you know he he's he's ticked a lot of boxes for England this tournament. I mean, he's whenever England needed him to convert a chance, he took it. His shoulders were always broad enough. I thought he was. He was an excellent captain in a sense because um, psychologically he seemed to oppose a lot of the traditional English weaknesses. Um, I think he'll be disappointed with, on a personal level, just because of what we know as Kane as a professional, as a as someone that's driven who is relentlessly pursuing improvement. You know, he'll be disappointed he didn't take the Croatia the, the second chance against Croatia. I know it was a fantastic save, but Kane scores that when he's when he's playing for Tottenham. Um, I think also uh, any react any any analysis of his performance has taken account. England didn't actually create very much for him. I mean, he maybe had two real, maybe three chances in the entire tournament from open play. Um, so I, I think it's a tremendous achievement. I mean, he is a a team orientated player in a sense. So you know that will dominate his thoughts. But I, yeah. I actually think this was the one game, the Croatia game, was the one game where we didn't actually need him. And he was doing the the role for everyone else to capitalise on. So we say that uh, the problem was that he was coming too deep. I think that was a, uh, you know, that, that was something that was. It's part of that. That, 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 was, that was. I think it was. That, that came from the manager because yeah. they, they knew that because their two full backs push on quite quite uh, quite far up. The, the space was in behind them, and we did try and play the balls down there to Raheem Sterling, but. There was no nobody joining in for midfield, and whether that's—I mean—he's got pace where it's difficult for people to keep up with him. But once he got up there, there was no support coming in behind. Yeah, and I, I know you can prove anything with stats, but there were some really interesting ones uh, that Johnny Northcroft, um, you know, one of our regulars, uh, came up with after that game, where he said Kane lost the ball 21 times, mm -hmm. Sterling only made nine passes, half of the forward passes played by Henderson didn't reach their target. And Pickford, in goal, went long 40 times. What do those numbers tell us? I think, well, first of all, they describe the roles those players were asked to do. Sterling, Sterling was on the pitch to get at those two centre-halves, which I thought he did pretty well. Um, he's not really, he's not the most creative player. You want him one-on-one -on -one with, a, with a big, cumbersome centre-half as often as possible. And I thought that worked, as long as England actually moved the ball properly. I think the Henderson thing is a... I, I think Henderson had a, an excellent tournament, but it, it shows his limitations. He is a he is not a Modric. He's not someone that's particularly comfortable when he's pressed with the ball. Actually, I think um, Croatia, a couple of the Croatian players mentioned that after the game itself. And Jordan Pickford, I mean, again, that, that's part of Pickford's game. His long-range distribution is superb. And he will have been, as England got deeper, part of his role would have been to, to, to start counter-attacks quickly. Um, and yeah, I, I think it, I think it describes some of the limitations of the team as a whole as well, um, in terms of what we have and what we don't have mm. in that side. Any other bad old habits that we need to get get through? I think that's what was a, a little bit what happened in that, especially in the second half. And I think that second that forty five minutes of football 
could be crucial to the future of, uh, of Gareth, certainly of Gareth Southgate, uh, Southgate's tenure as England manager, because that sort of encapsulated uh, the, the problem where we revert to type. It's okay playing nice football and playing through the lines when the, the opposition are inferior. Once you come against real quality, you're doing it. They're not just pressing, but they're pressing with intelligence and intensity. Then we kind of revert back to, oh, well, you know, we go longer. And if we're going longer, it, it's about the quality of ball forward. Mm -hmm. So you say about Harry Kane losing the ball that many times. You know, if the ball's right to him, he can secure it a lot better. And I think that um, we, we don't want to go back to that. But if we have to do it, we have to do it more effectively. Yeah, yeah. Mm. In a broader sense, Seb, what do you think the legacy of this World Cup will be for English football? Some kind of reunification between the players and the fans. I think um, I think the last time I was here, Mike, we, we talked about this and it, it's a... It's just a lovely thing to see people enjoying the England team and being enthusiastic about watching the games again. I think that's the legacy. I, I, I think it's also, I don't really necessarily believe in tournament-to-tournament -tournament blueprints. I don't believe, I think the, 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 the landscape of football changes quite dramatically in two years, certainly in four. So you're not necessarily going to be learning specifically from failings against teams like Croatia or Belgium. I think it shows a sort of, it shows, as we've already identified, um, where we still have work to do and I, I don't think that's necessarily something that you know should send uh, Dan Ashworth scurrying back into St George's mm -hmm. Park because I think that process is already underway we knew about the shortfall in, in sort of middle of the pitch technique a long time ago and the steps have been 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 undertaken to, to address that and it's just it's a question of those initiatives catching up with the reality and it just takes time for for the sort of the talent level to percolate through to the senior team and and so that, that's that. I, I don't think there's any reflexive action needed. I don't think in terms of legacy. I think it was just a, this has been a good summer. That's, that's all really I draw from it. Mm. I think there's a, a legacy coming from this. It will be all about those fringe players and the players that are that's coming true. through now. Yeah. This season will be a huge, it's, it's a huge opportunity for them because it would be, it's, it would be hard pushed to expect the players who've succeeded this tournament to go and have a wonderful season. You know, mm. we're looking at, they're going to have less than two weeks off before they, they join the clubs again. Um, we know about all the hangovers that come from uh, from tournaments of yeah. players who go further in the in the in the, in the World Cup and Euros. So now it's a, it's a great opportunity for those if, if those players don't uh, perform or don't start teasing the well for those around them and the likes of the young players like Foden. He should be looking at thinking, well, they've just signed Riyad, uh, Riyad Mahrez. Mm. My opportunities might be uh, restricted. Shall I go somewhere and get some? Mm. You know, get some. Real Isn't that the issue? It is you know the the key word yeah. is opportunity. You know both for players and also English coaches. To to be fair, but if you look at that opportunity, you made the example there of, of Phil Foden. Suddenly he's got another body in his way. You look at Ruben Loftus Cheek yeah. at Chelsea. Sarri comes in. He's hailed as someone who will try and um, make the most of of the development group that he's got. First thing they do is they go and buy Jorginho. Yeah. Yeah. logically in his way. The England, young England players need to take responsibility for their career and start to move, be proactive. I, I wish it was different, but there is an element of that. And I already think that path is starting to be quite well trodden. I mean, I've seen a, a sort of a, a mini exodus of players towards the, the Bundesliga. But I, 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 I hope, I mean, maybe with that expectation that, for instance, Mauricio Sarri looked at England's World Cup campaign and thought, goodness, Look at what Ruben Loftus-Cheek could be if I gave him 30 games in a season. 
because I think that will be one of the um, sort of a minor legacy of the tournament is that people have had a, a tease of him and thought, you know, people perhaps who don't watch Crystal Palace on a regular basis or don't watch youth football have seen, seen okay, this is a, an undercooked player, someone that needs a bit of refinement, but look at the talent. I mean, you imagine what he could be. And, and that's, I think maybe that might be a sort of a, a minor movement, certainly towards a club like Chelsea who have a tradition of not letting the side down, but, you know, looking for a sort of a more short-term solution to their to their issues. He's unfortunate in the sense that I think Eugenio's been brought in as, yeah. he's going to be Sarri's general mm. on the pitch. He's somebody that he can trust, that he knows, and that yeah. he, he can carry out his instructions. So in that sense, he, he is a little bit unlucky, but it's... Uh, I suppose also, though, David, you've got a kind of you've got an aging Cesc Fabregas who can't play 38 games anymore. Kante, uh, there are stories about him potentially leaving the club. I think it's, uh, it's, it's quite unfortunate that he'll probably get a little bit of a break after the World Cup because you'd imagine someone like him would benefit from being involved in pre-season and getting an opportunity to start in you know, the, the international champions. Nonsense, whatever, whatever it is. Sorry, Peter Shaga. What about, what about um, you know, the, the broader aspect of it? You know, we look at the Olympics, it didn't really leave a legacy. Um, should the FA be more bold and say, right, OK, we're going to sell Wembley and we're going to put all that money into grassroots football? Because without that grassroots being strong, what we're talking about, the elite end, will ultimately suffer. It's indisputable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, grassroots is something we've been talking about for, for more than a generation now. And, and yeah, I think the, 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 there are two separate parts of that. Should Wembley be sold and what happens to that money? And it, can we trust the FA to use it properly? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, if, you're, if you're thinking about a, a sort of a, a £700 million investment in grassroots football, of course, that's a good idea. But I want to know a little bit more about the, the sort of I'd want a, an itemised list of, of how that's actually going to happen. Are we creating, are we, are we protecting the existing sports fields in this country? Are we preventing, you know, housing developers from building on top of them? That's the stuff, because I think, you know, um, as much as we need to, to sort of clear pathways towards professional football, I think you also have to provide the availability for anybody to play because that's really the starting point for anything. You, you know, they've got to be, you know, whatever community you live, You've got to be able to say with your friends, let's go and play football. Three aside, let's go and knock a ball around you know, in a goal. It doesn't have to be competitive. It doesn't have to be, you know, with, with starry-eyed dreams of, of earning a fortune. Just go and play. Is that what you did as a kid? Yeah. You know, I, even sort of in, in, uh, in my role as a coach, sometimes I, I try and take it back to that. So you play like, um, you play like the, kids, the, the games that you play as a kid. And, and they, they are relative to the way that you play. Mm. So even just taking a few goalkeepers and you mark a, a, a sort of section of the wall, you know, you've got to try and, you know, you, you, we called it spot or wally when we were there, you know, and when we played it, you know, you take turns hitting it against that certain target. And if you miss it, you lose a life. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. but it, there's the pressure of competition. There's, you know, the skill involved, there's movement. You know, fun, that, fun that, as well. Yeah, that, that's what's moving. And we don't want, especially, I mean, we've spoke about this quite a lot in the past where it's, mm. There shouldn't be too much structure at an early age, and I think that's what some people trying to think that um, you know that investments in grassroots levels means more coaching at younger levels. Well, it doesn't, like you said, it's just yeah. just opportunity to to have fun and to develop their own skills, you know, rather than being too sort of formulaic. Mm. We look at team development. Let's look at France as the world champions. Yeah, fifteen of that squad of twenty-three are twenty-five years old and under. Mm -hmm. 
So they're going to be around for quite some time. Yeah. Any lessons that we can draw from that system? You know, they almost cleaned the stables after that, you know, the terrible World Cup last time around. But they've got an awful lot of young players coming through. Is that because maybe League 1 is a better development area than the Premier League? I think it's two things. I think, uh, yes, it is undoubtedly because it's, it's weaker. I mean, Paris Saint-Germain and, and potentially Monaco aside, you look at sort of the opportunity for young players at a club like Lyon, like a big club, like a traditionally a massive French club. If, if you look at our equivalent in this country, it's not the same. You might have, we, we talk about Tottenham, and, and yes, that is, a, that is a success story for you know, academy graduation, but it's quite relative. It is just a couple of players. It's just unusual in the English system. I also think that, and it is something that's changing England, the French player traditionally is less reticent in moving abroad. You look at sort of where a lot of those players play. Antoine Griezmann's been in Spain for a very long time. Usman Dembele was, at a very young age, willing to go out to Borussia Dortmund, where he really made his reputation and got his move to Barcelona. Um, Olivier Giroud's been in England for a long time. But he, again, was, when he came through in France, he, I, I think he started at Montpellier. He, he, um, he, he's not, he, he doesn't fit the sort of the, the archetype of the, the glinting young talent. He's just someone that played. And had a had a wonderful season when he um, when Montpellier won the title. He had a sort of a one in one goal ratio or something. And you sort of it, it, it's that it's this sort of well, if I don't get an opportunity in English football, then I must just sit in the under twenty three league, which, with all due respect, is not necessarily conducive to development because it's not actually it's not relative to anything. It's um, not real. We've all spent time on twenty three games. It's a it's a it's a controlled environment. It doesn't do a player much good to be there. Um, so I just think it's a, for me, a, a cultural thing. The Premier League is not going to change. The Premier League is not going to sort of step away from its, uh, its marketing appeal and, so, and weaken itself because it's a business. So therefore, the English player has got to be um, figuratively coached to think in a broader sense, to think, where are my opportunities if they're not here? I think that's key. It's, it's not just a, a problem that we have here. It, it happens yeah. in other countries. You know? I mean, just reading up on uh, in Mexico before like pre-tournament, you know, say because the strength of their league in the, uh, the, the, yeah. the high salaries that's paid there, it's meant that they've suffered its, uh, its international level because they have the great players, but they don't have the sort of the international experience mm. that uh, a lot of the South American countries have mm -hmm. in Central America. You played abroad, you know, you played in, in Denmark. Um, what did you learn, one in a football sense, and secondly about yourself? Uh, one, I learned that um, English footballers um, are very much instinctive. I think sometimes, you know, we talk about having more, you have more time to play uh, on the continent, as a, especially as an outfield player. But sometimes that isn't a good thing, you know. Sometimes it's better to, if, you, if you're being pressed and you have one option and that's your only option, you play it, it's easy. If you're, pre you're presented with three options and you've got to decide in a short space of time which is the right one to take, then that, that presents its own problems as well. Um, there's also a thing about uh, the approach to football as well, that there's a separation whilst, whilst you're training, whilst you're playing, there is, uh, it means everything. Outside of that, there's less of an importance placed on it. And I think that takes the pressure off players. That's one of the big things about Gareth Southgate, what he did about with uh, Fabian Delph. Mm. Okay, it was, yeah. easy, it was an easy decision for me. It wasn't Harry Kane that was going back home to, uh, to attend to his wife, but his message in the press conference was, uh, there's more to life than football. 
and and in and in saying that, it, it, to me, it was taking pressure off his side, saying that you know just go out with them, just playing football. Because I think that um, I remember going in there to my manager one day, and and I was upset, and I was walking past his office, and he put, called me and just said, well, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, why why are you feeling down? I says, oh, well, I wasn't very good in training yesterday. And he went, so. He says, well, you, you'll be good today. And it was kind of like, it made me feel stupid for, you know, for, for having such an effect on me, you know, yeah. letting a bad performance affect me. But it was just, that's how it was. And I think in a lot of countries, um, yeah, they can step away from the football where here it's it's not so easy. David, if that had happened in England, what would have been the reaction, do you think? I know it's... A oh, no, I mean, I mean, for me to react like that, it was kind of... It's been, it's always been natural to me, but it's kind of seen as a as a positive thing. Or oh, he's hurting, you know. He, he really cares when, I've uh, you know, I've learned since then, the person who shouts the most on the pitch, or a manager that shouts the most at the side of the pitch, is isn't necessarily one that cares the most. No, no. Well, and that's well, that's one of the great myths, isn't it? And also, I think what Southgate has done, he's made it acceptable and even fashionable to care about people, yeah. which is not what you get normally in football, is it? It's, it's interesting because um, actually there's a, a precedent for that. When, when England won the 2003 Rugby World Cup, Will Greenwood's wife was having um, real difficulties in labour. And uh, Will Greenwood was not a Fabian Delph, he was a starting player. And, and I think he got booked back to on, on every flight out of Australia back to England to be with her. And, and he, he sort of went away and dealt with his family issue, came back and then went on to win a World Cup. And I think, um, I remember hearing him interviewed about it 10 years later and it was still something which really obviously meant something to him personally, that it was a kind of, yes, we are playing professional sport and it is made out to be the absolute centre of everything, but there is something beyond that. And I think it, it's, it's clearly a value to professional athletes. Mm. Get some questions in from the, the listeners and the viewers. First one's from Mike Thomas. For England getting beaten last Wednesday, then seeing how far off Belgium we were in the third and fourth playoff game, which I'm not quite sure about myself because I'm not sure how relevant that was. But anyway, how optimistic are you going forward for England? Who can be our Hazard, Mbappe and Modric? That's a big question, that last one. But I, I think it's, um, you know, for anybody who has any doubts that whether the, the third and fourth place playoff was meaningful, you look at the way that Belgium started that game, yeah. mm. you know, and the team, I suppose. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The team they yeah. put out, uh, they put the stronger side out, and they've uh, they approached the game, you know, as, as any other game, and they want to win it. And okay, there was somebody put a picture up on social media of them, you know, when they've got the medals afterwards and they get the photographs. Yeah. They look glum. Yeah, but that's not what it was about. It was about the game and the way they they started. And uh, and I, I just think that's that said that forty five minutes against like the second forty five minutes against Croatia that is going to be crucial going forward. Because that will be the part where Gareth Southgate looks at and says, this is where I got it wrong. This is where I got my substitutions wrong. This is why I didn't respond quickly to the changes that Croatia made at half-time. What should, you know, in, in retrospect, what, what would I have done uh, if I had that time again? So he goes into the future and then he knows how he's going to react next time because that's the, that's the it's still, we, we've got the penalty shootout out of the way, that's fine. We've got the semi-final, that's fine. But we really haven't had that one big win against uh, against a, a really good footballing side. That's what we need now. Mm. With Southgate, the one thing that I've always been struck by, uh, which is almost deceptive, uh, when I when I've spoken to him, is that he absolutely loathes losing, yeah. and that's not mm. doesn't no. really tie in with the touchy feely stuff, does it? No. 
he'll have to be ruthless because that's the name of his particular game. Who is culled from this squad, do you think? It's quite a brutal conversation to have, I guess, only a days afterwards. I think uh, I think Phil Jones would, would, would do well to hang on to his place. I think um, purely because of age, Gary Cahill's time is, is coming to end. And by all accounts, he was a very good tourist and he was good for morale and he's absolutely professional, but you know, it is what it is. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it's hard. I, I think maybe um, the value of Jamie Vardy in this system is quite limited. Mm. I think also you have to eventually make way for some of the developing attacking, attacking players, whether that's a, a Ryan Sessegnon or Jaden Sancho, because those are very, very talented players. And I think, you know, there is a, there's a clear merit to, to putting someone in, not based on what they do in the Premier League, but how well they fit the system. And someone like Sancho, Vardy's an attacking, a, a counter-attacking player. And we, we saw in Russia, he, he wasn't quite fit for a few games, but he doesn't, it doesn't translate as well as it should. That's not to say he's not a good player, but, you know, I'd want to see, for instance, an alternative to Raheem Sterling. I want to see uh, an alternative to, to Jesse Lingard. And those are the kind of players that I, 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 I think will um, move in. I think as and when he's fit, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain will come back in. He's, he's really developed under Jurgen Klopp and, and he, he provides that kind of thrust from central midfield that Lingard did. I think had he been there, he's not a game-changing player, he's not an elite category footballer, but he, he would have been very useful. And I, I think he'll come in at somebody's expense. Um, I don't want to throw players under the bus. It, 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 it feels so mean-spirited, Mike. But yeah, there's, there's going to be a couple. I think Danny Rose's time with England might be, uh, might be coming to an end just because, again, he's getting older. And theoretically, Ryan Sessegnon can play at fullback, and that's the future. Just thinking about the, you know, the Harry Kane and Vardy, you know, if we without them, I think there's huge pressure on Marcus Rashford now yeah. to, to start developing. He's still a young kid, you know, he's still mm. really young, and there's plenty of time for him to develop. But if, you know, I mean, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head at the minute, you know, you know, as a central striker. No. And so in maybe the, to stretch in, in the Tammy Abraham possibly. Yeah, but, but in the next yeah. couple of years. He's got to be playing regularly in that central yeah, role. Absolutely. Well, United probably is not if Lukaku's still there. Yeah. 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 Um, Gareth Stringer, I suppose we've got to talk about VAR, so let's <laughs> go for it. Uh, to what extent did VAR impact the World Cup and what needs to be done with the process to ensure that football changes for the better as a result of its introduction? It wasn't as intrusive as I thought it would be. I mean, when, when, when they announced that it was going to be used in the World Cup, it, I was very much kind of, well, World Cup ruined, just because of what we'd seen in English football. I remember the FA Cup tie between Tottenham and Rochdale was just nonsense. It was just, you know, in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> just the, I, I don't know what has to change. I, I think maybe uh, there has to be some form of communication with the fans in the stadium, because I, I think it, it skews the dynamic between the crowd and the pitch a bit too much. Um, it needs to happen quicker. Whatever it is that's going on, you need to do it. You can't have a referee sitting under a, a hood watching, you know, nine replays in slow motion. It, it's just, it's weird. But doesn't slow motion, by definition, distort the thing? Yeah. As we saw. In yeah, the it's, uh, that's not. Yeah. It's not actually what happens. Yeah. I mean, you see that with the uh, the Perisic handball. I mean, yeah. I, I, would, I wouldn't have given it. Me neither. And, and, and there's probably a case, because his hand was in, in the air in the first place, there could be a case that the movement towards the ball was to make sure it wasn't in an unnatural position and it would be given. So, But also, isn't it, isn't it kind of... It, there doesn't need to be some common sense there. That you're, you're not, the referee is not there in that instance to determine whether it has actually hit his hand, because everyone's seen that it has hit his hand. You're trying to judge intent, because that's how the law is written. 
And so you cannot watch that at slow motion because that is, as David said, that is not a that is not a measure of someone's intent because you, you, you slow something down enough, it can look like anything you want it to. Can we come back to three words, clear and obvious? There, there you go, there you go. But, yeah. uh, I mean, the, the, the analysis that was done, that's usually an average game, 95% of all referees' calls are right. Now it's 993 So it's certainly of use. And we I think because of the interpretation of, uh, of a lot of fouls, particularly around the box, you're not going to get 100%. That, you know, everyone agreed 100%. But I still think it kills the flow. Do, do you know what do you know? it also does, Mike? Is it, it's created this thing now where an incident happens and this little cabal of players surrounds a referee for, for a minute. Cut, that that oh, I hate yeah. it. I hate that needs it. To be cut out. That needs to go because it's it's just, it's so ugly. He should take his, uh, his spray and just put like a sort of... <laughs> around himself. <laughs> board around himself so they can't come, come close to him. Uh, um, Steve... Uh, Hewlett, so the group stages were very exciting. Later stages of the knockout rounds, less so. But what was the signature game of the 2018 World Cup? That's a tough one, but I think, you know, going back to his point about the, the, the difference in the games, yeah, there's, there's going to be a bit more pragmatism, you know, when it comes to the later games, there's going to be a little bit more mm -hmm. safety. In, there's in more at play. Yeah, of course, yeah, so yeah. I mean, that's... Um, that's only understandable. Uh, I'm not quite sure what was yours. I think probably the the one I enjoyed the most was Spain Portugal. I mean, two doomed mm. team playing the teams playing flawed football, but for the drama and the entertainment, exactly what you want from a World Cup. Mm. And also the Cristiano Ronaldo factor because you you do actually want to see the best players perform. And it was it just felt like a kind of that was it was it was, it was a very powerful moment and a, and a sort of a series of moments throughout the game it had great goals in it as well. It had controversy and drama, and it was it was it was great. That was the moment where, for me at least, I thought, World Cup, this is this is going to be a fun month. Yeah, yeah. as opposed to games which you know, express football's cruelty. I, you know, I thought the the Belgium Japan game was oh, terrible. Yeah. I, I, the, the way that they lost that game, yeah, was heartbreaking. I, I, and, yeah. and Senegal going out on and fair play. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, yeah. There's, there's no worse way that go. Than yeah, that. yeah. Um. I suppose we were a bit of a light-hearted one when we are at it. Brendan Bone, <laughs> who had the best beard of the World Cup and did anyone rival the hirsute qualities of Priest? No, I can only dream. Do you know? <laughs> I can only dream of, uh, of having one like uh, Mila Yednaka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good, really good. What about worst haircut? I, I, I think, uh, you know, the Croatian defender. Vida. Vida. Yeah, yeah. Wow. How Looks like a, that? sort of a, a low-rent Game of Thrones character, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're outside the dog and duck summary. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's look overall. How good do you think this World Cup was? People are saying, "Oh, it was the best ever." Well, you know, that's pretty, pretty sort of relative. That's, that's isn't bold. It? I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's a need to anoint a World Cup or create a World Cup hierarchy. It's just, it was great fun. I don't think we saw the quality of football we did. For instance, I thought, I thought 2006 was a great tournament. Actually, in terms of actual quality of play. I love France 98. Um, I'm one of the few people who seems to have enjoyed USA 94. Um, I don't know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I felt like, let me put it this way, I, I got my money's worth from it. It's what I wanted it to be. I feel like I haven't been shortchanged out of an international tournament. Like I, like in sort of um, the, I didn't particularly enjoy Euro 2012, for instance. I didn't think that was so terrific, but this was, this was great. It was great fun. Mm. I think your first one's always the most special. Mine was Mexico 86. Yeah. 
but for a tournament to, for, to satisfy you and, and to not be disappointing, it's been great in that respect. And I think that um, I think it was Ken Early said, uh, you know, he made a comment about social media amplifying everything. Yeah. You know, so uh, you know, it, it's it's going to make it a, a better tournament than it actually was. Maybe it did, but I think it, it added to it the social media, being on social media at the time of the World Cup, and everybody interacting, and some fabulous journalism mm. uh, throughout the World Cup Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good point, actually. I I, I this I, I think this. I mean, the, the tournament is the tournament, and that is completely beyond anyone's control. The supporting content, sorry if to use the word content, but around this tournament has been better than it has ever been before. I mean, some of the some of the on the on the whistle match reports which came back from people like Roy Smith and Jonathan Luth, mm. tremendous stuff. And also, if you you can still go on to you know your 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 um, your TV now and watch all the kind of the documentaries, which I, I just think it was it was a very rich experience. I thought the the sort of the punditry and and a lot of the commentary was better than it has been long for for a long time. It was just. That sort of that that secondary layer was very very rich, mm. and it's also about creation of of individual memories. Which you know, you mentioned eighty six. You know, I covered the the hand of God game, and you know, the second goal or the the other goal, which was you know one of the greatest ever. And there are certain memories that that are still there, and they're summoned very easily. And that's what I suppose we're getting down to: what football is all about, isn't it? That attraction of you know, yeah, well. Yeah, you're right, and I think I'm trying to think on the spot here whether there's the same moments that uh, is equivocal uh, to those two you've just mentioned there. Mm. And I can't imagine there's any one one moment in this tournament that I'd swap for being in your seat, mm. Mm -hmm. uh, watching Maradona at that moment. Mm. So it's you know maybe it's as an all-round tournament it's probably great, but for moments like that, I'm not yeah. sure no, it's, I uh, agree it, can, yeah. it can match those. Okay. Well, let's look at the. The tournament as a whole, um, we're going to a World Cup, a Winter World Cup. Now we'll be, we'll be all outside throwing mulled wine up in the air instead of beer. I, I'm, Hog roast. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 at the moment, still can't get my head around the, the fact that we're going to be sort of playing World Cup football matches in sort of mid-November, early December. Yeah, but the, the only thing that I think about that, or the, the, the main point I'd make about it is that hopefully... While the Premier League is off in that uh, in that time, that the AFL clubs benefit and the attendance go up, mm -hmm. um, and, and people go and watch other forms of well, sort of forms of football, levels of football. And, uh, but yeah, it's 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 going to be strange, isn't it? Mm. Right, team of the tournament. Let's go through relatively quickly if we could. Start with goalkeepers. Um, Courtois was named goalkeeper of the tournament. Isn't that right choice? Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think he's uh, he's as, as well as John Pickford's done that, and I'd love to pick him as, uh, as, as my number one choice, Courtois, he seems to just have, uh, he's, he's matured now. He's always been mature for his age, you know, he's always, for, for six foot five, he still looks he still looks like a kid. But he, he seems to have gained this arrogance, and I really like that about him, you know, it's uh, just taking, I mean, he, he's been a world-class goalkeeper, he is a world-class goalkeeper. Mm. I think um, it's, probably, it's probably a maturity that will take him away from Chelsea now, I think. Anyone else? You know, maybe a surprise you left field. I thought uh, Cho, the uh, South Korean, South Korean he, was he terrific, was brilliant, yeah. and, and not just the, the, the his performances, but the story, third choice, and and coming through, and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I think that's been it's been a great tournament for that. You know, we we've talked about that sometimes we is overkill with football, and we, we know every possible sort of uh, player there is to know, but all the uh, you know 
Biren van the uh, Iranian goalkeeper did really well and the Tunisian keeper before he got injured made one of the saves of the tournament yeah. I, I mean what a cameo Mm. I mean, you, you make one contribution to World Cup and it's one of the best saves in the entire tournament. Yeah, it was, it's very, blink, very it was a blink and you miss it moment. Yeah, but I mean, what a save. Yeah. yeah. Seb, let's look at the full-backs. Yeah. Uh, right back. Uh, There'll be a huge emotional sway to say, OK, Kieran Trippier. Uh, what about uh, Lazalko in, that's, uh, that's, in That would be my choice. I just think he was, he was absolutely brilliant against England. I think part of that was the system. I mean, he was a beneficiary of the way you know, England being quite narrow. Um, but he was he was tremendous, and also let's remember he wasn't fully fit for that game either, and he was arguably the best player on the pitch, mm. maybe Perisic, but yeah. Um, I, I think Trippier, given where Trippier was a year ago, where you know Tottenham was spending 25 million on Serge Aurier because they didn't trust him to fill Carl Walker's boots, to being not only the first choice for his club but clearly a first choice for his, his country too. It's a it's a great story. He, I mean, I, I know Keane really well, and. He's far from, not far, but he's not a world-class performer. But his crossing is world-class. Mm. There was one there was one ball he put in against Belgium on Saturday and it beat everybody and he just deserved to be a goal. It delivered from a feet Kane at the far post. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And it was just superb the shape he puts on the ball. It's. Uh... He, I mean, he has that in his locker, though. He he played exactly the same ball for, for Deli Alley against Real Madrid in the Champions League at Wembley this season, last season even. And he just his his crossing technique is absolutely brilliant. Um, I also think he he's he's a better footballer than, than people give him credit for. I mean he's um, he has a habit of playing up to his opposition, you know, and, and the reverse sometimes. But he's um, given what Spurs pay for him. I mean, I, I, th I think he'd be the one one player out this tournament who will go on and get even better because I, I've seen him in the past. He played for uh, played for Spurs. And if he gives the ball away or he makes a bad pass, you can see it's sort of like he, he'll have a word with himself and beat himself up a little bit. Now he's gone to this stage, and that for me, that penalty, you know, that was that that would be the change for him. Now I know he's 27; he's not a young kid anymore. But now I think he'll go and have four or five years like real top-level performances. Mm. Left back, we've got uh, Hernandez of France, uh, Marcello, although he wasn't fit all the time. Who do you think? I thought. The thing with Hernandez is his delivery wasn't always great, but I think if you if you look at what France were as a defence throughout the tournament, forget the, the couple of aberrations yesterday, it was a little bit ugly towards the end. But um, yeah, I thought he, I thought he was great. I can't really see beyond him. I don't see, um, you know, I, I don't see, uh, and I sort of also one of the difficulties is you, you had a, a sort of a, a Belgian team with three centre halves, and it wasn't quite a traditional fullback, so it's, it's got Harden and, and kind of Jan Vertonghen sort of played in those areas, but. Yeah, Hernandez is, uh, yeah. I, I quite like Stimic. Yeah. And, and I like both full-backs and the Y-men, Perisic and Rebic. It, it's almost like a little bit of a throwback how they worked in tandem together. They worked mm. in a pet, which you don't often see that a lot these days. And it was, uh, yeah, Stimic for me, I think. Yeah. Centre-halves, you know, we talk about combinations. I thought Uruguay had it yeah. spot on with Godin and, and Jimenez. Yeah. Um, do you agree with that? If not, who else would you put into that mix? I think they'd have to include Varane. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's uh, he's been superb and as good as he is on the ball as well. He's been a he's a great defender and uh, he's I mean, it's a great year, Champions League winner, World Cup winner. I don't think you can look beyond him for one of them. I don't think so. Also, I think also one of the things with Godin and Jimenez was that so you still got Torreira in front of them. Mm. So defensively they were excellent, but they were doing a lot of things that you would expect them to do well. So you didn't 
often, for instance, see them exposed one-on-one -on -one with the player. You didn't see them being turned around very often. And so you really have to credit the players in front of them for doing that, for, for the protection they offer. And like David says, Fran, it was excellent. Uh, for, you know, we talk about defending now, we think it's hard to, it's the lost art of defending, but you know, you talk about Uruguay from TT as well with France. Yeah. England have come out well defensively with Stones and Maguire mm -hmm. and, and uh, Kyle Walker and um, uh, Colombia with uh, Sanchez and yeah, Mina. Mina. Yeah. Two young centre-halves there who are going to have a great future in the game. Mm, you mentioned John Stones there. To me, he's been probably the most impressive yeah. Um, England player at the tournament simply because he has pretty much dispelled any doubt we had about him. He's also a bit nastier than people mm. thought he was. Yeah. One of my, my favourite moments, and I, I'm sure people will judge me for saying this, one of my favourite moments of the tournament is him raking Falcao just because, not because I condone that kind of play, just because you're willing to give it back. Mm. You're willing to, he's not just a kid that looks like he could be singing in a choir. He's a great footballer, but he's, he's also, he's yeah, slightly nastier. I like that. Mm. If we're going to play a midfield three, Kante is your rock. I thought, what comes across about him, you know, we know that he's going to be in demand. Mm -hmm. But there's that humility of still, you know, of being a sort of second tier player only a couple of years ago, having won everything. They actually literally had to give him the World Cup so he could pose for a photograph with it. <laughs> On and off the pitch, is he the sort of player you actually build your team around? He's the sort of player that I used to love. You know, I used to, I used to you know, literally cuddle people like him in the dressing room because they're so low maintenance. They, they, they do everything you want of them and with as little fuss as possible. There's no ego there. Whatever they do on the pitch, whether they have a good game or a bad game, it's, uh, you know, it's not through the want of trying as well. I mean, and, but he's, he's a lot more than that. He's a, he's a brilliant footballer. But it was interesting last night is the first time you kind of saw him yeah. lose it a little bit, mm. you know. He, he, uh, he didn't and that was quite brave management and taking brilliant. It up, I thought, it was, sure. yeah, brilliant yeah. management by Deschamps yeah. in there, and it proved good. And Zonzi's a, you know, he's a great player himself. And it wasn't, it wasn't like they were weakening the team too much, but um, yeah, it was, it was strange for him to see. You never, I've never seen that from him before. Yeah, Modric, you know, was named MVP or whatever the title is. Um, was that deserved? Without doubt, I. I mean, when, when, when Modric was in England, I, I must have watched pretty much every game he ever played here, and, and I've never seen him perform with quite the same tone that he did in Russia. Like, we know that he's, we know about the outside of the right foot and, and the passing and his close control and that kind of stuff, but just the, the energy and the slight chip on his shoulder, possibly because of what's going on in his private life back home. Um, but I just thought there was, it was, it was a, a talismanic kind of performance, and it's exactly what you want from your captain. Um, and also with the quality, that, the goal he scored against Argentina, the way he shifts the ball out of his feet, and I, I think it's Otamendi he leaves for dead. It's not like a, it wasn't Mascarano you know, who was having you know, a bit of a shock. It was actually a top-rate defender. Just left him for dead and 30 yards. He, 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 tremendous. And I just think all round, he deserved to uh, he deserved to win a World Cup, unfortunately. But um, yeah. Now Pogba did. Paul yeah. Pogba did. Um, was that a step change for him? And do you expect him to actually stay at Manchester United? Good question. Um, I love Pogba this uh, this tournament simply because that's the performance you want to see from him. It's not like it was he's sort of been selfless or whatever, but it's just the fact that uh, he did what you want from him. Yeah, you know, yeah. he, he, he's uh, he's got great athleticism, so you want him to carry the ball. You want him to break forward uh, with freedom. You know, knowing that he got someone like Kante behind him, uh, showing things up. But I think also he can learn from Modric. There's so many times I see Pogba in a game and he stops the ball and it's kind of like, 
That's that's his moment when everybody looked at me and he, and he stops the flow of the play and he makes it easy for the person to close him down. You see Modric, especially around the box, when he's got the ball at his feet, he never stops. He's, yeah. he's always moving, shifting the ball. So people around him and the pitcher in front of him changes all the time. And and uh, and nothing closes up for him. That's why he's always got so, so many options. But uh, yeah, that's the Paul Pogba we want to see. And that passing range. Like the yeah. sort of the... It's what you don't get to see with Man United purely because of, presumably, because of how they play. You get to see this sort of this player that, that has a level of technique where he can take a touch and ping the ball 60 yards. Mm. And when you've got an Mbappe up front, that's a, that's a great sequence of play to watch. It's just, that, that's how I view Pogba. He is a fun player to watch. He's fabulously talented, but he's also, he's a crowd pleaser. He's a guy that, it's like going to, you know, it, it, it's like going to a concert and wanting someone to play the hits. That's what you want to see from him. You you want to see those balls and the shooting and you know. Yeah, and as Seb mentioned Mbappe, um, you know, you're looking there almost like someone who's made the impact of a very young Pele. Um, how good can he be? As long as he keeps that up, you know. He, he, un, un, well, I think probably until he moves, which and it's without question, until he moves to to Madrid, uh, or a likewise club, you know, then he'll he'll. He'll score the goals that, that get the recognition. He can score as many goals as he wants at PSG, but people, you know, like Larson at Celtic, they'll always be detractors saying, oh, "Well, it's even a, a weaker, a weaker uh, league." But I think you just look at his all-round game now. You know, he's, just, he's, just, he's not just about one thing. Uh, he's just, uh, he's just uh, frightening for, for 19 years old. I was sitting to myself when he's going up to get his uh, the young player of the tournament, 19 years old, and yet he's. Yeah, he's almost achieved everything. People compare him to Henri. He's a better player yeah, than Henri better. was at that age. Much better, much better player. Um, also, you know, in the moment in the final with the his his goal, I've never seen him score a goal like that. I, I'm aware of his attributes, and I've you know, obviously remember the Monaco season and bits of what he's done this year. But that sort of that finish, which is just ruthless, it was uh, yeah, startling. It was great. So if you play people either side of him in a three up front, Perisic and Hazard maybe. Two, I've got written. Down. Can't argue with that. Yeah, yeah. Can't yeah. argue with that. What do you think is going to happen with Hazard? Do you think he'll go? I think he's entitled to go. I think he's been given the way Chelsea's run, and given the sort of the the fluctuations that have gone on at that club, he's been very loyal. You know, he he's also he's he's 27. He'll be 28 in January. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo has left Real Madrid, and there's this this opening at the top of the game for a player of his caliber to pursue a Ballon d'Or. As long as uh, Neymar is at Paris Saint-Germain, hard to take his claim seriously, I'm afraid, because he didn't add a World Cup. I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. And he, you, players of his ability should not be in the Europa League. And, and Chelsea, um, Chelsea have let him down. You know, Chelsea have not added a, a list of players of similar ability around him. And he's owed that because he is a world-class player. He was, I thought he had a, a brilliant World Cup. I thought his performance against Brazil was... Um, strange word to use, but one of the bravest I saw all tournament. He's a, a small, you know, slight guy. We've come across him in the mix zone. He's not a big guy. He gets kicked to pieces for eight months of the year, goes there, and when his team needed an out ball and someone to carry the ball up the pitch, he took it every single time. And he was, he was, it was so bold and um, and obviously brilliant because he's, he's got fabulous technique. But he 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 deserves a a bigger stage. Mm. Be interesting next couple of weeks in the transfer market, won't it? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be carnage also because short, the English short clubs. Moves. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think um, I think from a business standpoint, Chelsea, you know, they probably have to cash in now. Yeah. They, they can sit with more wait and see. You know, you'll you, you'll have a great season under Sarri. He's your type of manager, you'll love him. 
but then he'll only have a one, one year left at the end of his contract. Mm. How does he feel also that sort of, you know, uh, the sort of the attention afforded to someone like Kevin De Bruyne, great player, how has he been doing it for far longer? You know, also Neymar, you know, Mbappe, these guys are coming through and all of a sudden they're, they're sort of, you know, they're, they're, they're anointed as the sort of the, the select group within the game and he's been, he's been playing at his level for five years. You know, it's, it's sort of, it's only, it's not about ego, the player's entitled to, to pursue his, his place in the game. So we're talking actually to be brutal about Chelsea being, they've managed it badly. Yeah. Let's look at, as a, almost as a final question, the men who have come across well on the touchline in this World Cup. Who do you think your manager of the tournament was? You know, I, I was hugely impressed by Dalic at, at yeah, Croatia. Sure. Could seem to be in their short space of time as well. You know, mm. you just brought it towards the end of uh, qualification. Um, Carlos Kiras, I thought I know Iran went out, but I just thought they were they were horrible in, in a, in a complimentary. <laughs> they, they were they were they're the kind of team you never want to play. And if you look to the collection of players, to to to, and I, I did a bit of background reading into sort of the job he did with him. And it's just a it's terrific bit of coaching. To to imagine what. That those performances against Spain and Portugal did to sort of the Iranian football public, and what it you know might inspire a, a young boy or girl to to go and pick up a ball. Look at what you can be, and that is down to Carlos Queiroz. It's, it's very powerful. And it's very hard to look beyond it. And, and let's face it, you know, Gareth Southgate, Southgate's come a long, long way in the in the past eighteen months, mm. and, and even from you know changing people's opinions and from the, the start of the yeah. tournament, I think uh, he deserves a lot of credit. So he does, and you're right, deserve a lot of credit. The final question, what is the realistic limit of England's ambition going forward? We're talking Euros? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if it, we can have an expectation there uh, of semi-finals and finals. But what we have is, uh, or what we're going to have, is a team that's going to play a certain way. And two years down the line, you'd like to think we're even better, even as, a, as we evolve into something else. Or we carry on the road that we down at the, we're going down at the moment. I think, um, and, and that's what we want. We, we you know, we want uh, we, we, not just a team that's going to get far in tournaments. We're going to a team that gets there uh, and with a little bit of style and and yeah. a, a way of playing. And we, we've got that now. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. If, if England haven't won a World Cup by 2026, I'll be really disappointed because I think um, you know the, the the players I've seen beneath the surface. Um, it, England are by far and away the biggest supplier of the next generation, of the most notable members of it. It's 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 something which is very strange for us to to come to terms with, but it's 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 very it really hits you in the face when you when you see these youth teams. And so yeah, if, if those players are handled correctly, everything continues to work logically um, at senior level. Why not? Bold stuff. Another semi-final in two years' time. Why not? By the way, it's only 20 days until Manchester City play Chelsea in the Community Shield. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.